the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We may not be doomed yet. And this has nothing to do with what happened in Finland today. In case you missed it, Vlad Putin said he's he's shocked that anybody would believe that he would meddle in an American election. Apparently, President Trump believes him. Well, for now, we'll just let the two of them work that out and we'll figure out something. And uh, I guess Le'Veon Bell wasn't able to work anything out with the Steelers either. They'll have to deal with that. Le'Veon's going to have to get by on, I don't know, $15 million this year. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, But welcome to the John Stoggerwald Show. And yeah, there is actually some good news about the youth of America. I'm talking about the very young here, not college kids, because plenty of them still give us plenty of reasons to believe that we're doomed. Uh, Something every day, at least once school starts, they will. I'm talking about little kids. Um, There was a story in the New York Times yesterday with a headline, Youth Soccer Participation Has Fallen Significantly in America. Now, of course, that could be because little kids can't do anything that doesn't include a cell phone or a video game. Uh, We all know that. how that is if you have kids or grandkids. I mean, who wants to actually, you know, play a sport when you can pretend you're playing one with something that you're holding in your hand? But... Anyway, according to the story, the kids who are playing sports are playing more baseball and basketball and less soccer. Now, this is good for America because soccer is a socialist sport. Uh, I know that might hurt some feelings out there, but the World Cup just ended yesterday and Croatia beat France for the championship. And in case you missed it, the American team went undefeated. Of course, it went winless, too, because it didn't qualify for the tournament. And when that happened, I think we were supposed to be ashamed. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, would would Croatia be ashamed about not qualifying for a baseball tournament? It's, it's not their sport. And soccer isn't our sport. I hope this doesn't ruin your ride home, but over the last uh, three years, the percentage of 6- to 12-year-olds playing soccer has dropped almost 14% to only 2.3 million players. Uh, meanwhile, for some reason, a basketball and baseball are up a little bit. Soccer has lost more than any other sport about 600,000 kids. Here's one of the big reasons that it should be considered good news. Um, there's an organization called the American Youth, uh, American Youth Soccer Organization. And according to the woman who runs a league in Evanston, Illinois, this is a quote from her from the uh, New York Times story yesterday. She says, this is in their league. Everybody gets balanced playing time, and the emphasis is on having fun and embracing virtues like good sportsmanship rather than winning. If you lay on anything about sports, that should make you want to puke. Um, but if there's no emphasis on winning, you know what uh, what that is? It's practice. That's what it is. And if the kiddies are too young to understand that trying to win and winning are what makes sports fun, then they're too young to be playing organized sports. Don't give them a uniform. Leave them alone. A six- or seven-year-old kid is too young to be playing organized sports anyway. Uh, boys should be playing with their trucks in the mud and uh, girls, uh, they should be doing whatever is politically correct for me to say that they should be doing. I don't know what that is, but whatever that is, that's what they should be doing because I'm not going to say what they should be doing because I don't know anymore what they're supposed to be doing. But whatever is politically correct, that's what the girls should be doing. And the proliferation of soccer is uh, is one of many reasons that there are no words to describe, and I say this all the time, there, there are no words to describe how glad I am to have grown up when I did when I see stuff like this. I didn't know one kid, I'm old, don't get me wrong, I, I know it, I'm old, I, and I'm not exaggerating one-tenth of a percent. I did not know one kid who played soccer growing up. Nobody. And I mean, nobody played soccer. Now, we played our version of it for a while. We used to set up a couple of uh, pop cases for goals, and we used a volleyball or a basketball or something, and it was more like hockey with a ball. You know, if a, if a guy was on a breakaway, it was okay to tackle him. Lots of contact, no red cards. 
And if they played the World Cup with our rules that we had when I was a kid, I might have watched it. Now, I have a theory about why kids started playing soccer. I think a lot of it has to do with the divorce rate. Not enough fathers to teach a kid how to field a ground ball. And it is hard to teach a little kid how to overcome the fear and do that. Um, with soccer, you throw the ball out there and let the kids run around and kick it. It's a lot easier. And in the early stages, when they're really little kids, that's just enough. Running and kicking the ball is enough. You don't have to be really accomplished at it. So it's a lot easier and, and lazier than teaching a kid how to field or stand in there and hit without the fear of being hit by the ball. Now, I've always believed that if in the 1930s so many kids were playing soccer instead of football, baseball, and basketball, We'd be doing the goose step right now. The Germans would have won World War II. Uh, In the 30s and 40s, America's three most popular sports were baseball, boxing, and horse racing, and probably followed by college football and basketball. Soccer was the most popular sport in France. Surrendering was the second most popular sport. And have you seen the writhing in soccer? Guys get a little bump and they fall on the ground to do a minute or so of writhing. It's an embarrassment to men everywhere. And can you imagine us beating the Germans with guys who grew up writhing? I just, I don't think we win. And as Ann Coulter once said, I got this from Ann Coulter. There's a re- this, is, this is what she wrote, actually. He didn't say it. There's a reason that perpetually alarmed women are called soccer moms. Can you imagine them being called football moms? Soccer is a lot like socialism. Uh, she didn't say that. I, I do. Uh, lots of work for everybody. Very little reward. And the misery is shared equally. Everybody shares the misery of nobody scoring and nobody know why, knowing why anybody's out there. So if you're a soccer fan, I know you're out there thinking that, this is, that it is the most popular sport in the world. But here's the thing. What else does most of the rest of the world have? France won the World Cup yesterday. There was rioting in the streets. Lots of things set on fire. People died. Uh, soccer fans everywhere might take the games just a tad too seriously. Of course, all fans might do that now. I was a huge fan when I was younger, and when the Pittsburgh teams won, I was really happy. I don't remember having the urge to set things on fire, but I was happy. And I can remember watching Bob Moose throw a wild pitch against the Reds in 1972 that cost the Pirates a trip to the World Series. I was pretty annoyed, and I was disappointed for about 10 minutes. Then we went out with our friends looking for chicks. Now, if you saw what happened in France, you have to believe that every cop, fireman, and government official had to be hoping Croatia would win. But it's over, and what's left for the sports fans in France? Cycling? That's what they have after soccer's over. Riding a bike? It's a great workout. Watching, watching somebody ride one for 100 miles is almost as boring as soccer. So I can't say it better than Aaron Colter did. Uh, here's what she wrote. This is, this is her again. I resent the force-fed aspect of soccer. The same people trying to push soccer on Americans are the ones demanding that we love HBO's girls, Light Rail, Beyonce, and Hillary Clinton. The number of New York's New York Times articles claiming soccer is quote-unquote catching on is exceeded only by the ones pretending women's basketball is fascinating. That's Ann Colder. She has a tendency to... I don't know, go off a little bit. Anyway, back to my original point. It should be considered good news that the New York Times actually had a story yesterday that said fewer kids are playing soccer. I think kids, especially the really young ones, should be playing less organized sports, of all organized sports. When we come back, I'm going to talk to a guy who works for an institution that studies youth sports, and he has a chart, seven charts, on how to fix youth sports. We will be right back. People come in with health concerns, and we try to address those at the root cause. At the Medicine Shops in Oakmont and Penn Hills, nurse practitioner Joyce Gibb has conducted over 3,000 consultations with pharmacist, mentor, and friend Joe DiMatteo. I actually got my nurse practitioner in family practice, and I've always wanted to practice getting to the root cause because in family practice, I felt like I was giving a pill for the ill. It's always pharmaceutical-based. You really didn't get to the main problem that caused the symptom. Just an example of you have heartburn. There's many reasons for acid reflux or heartburn, and some of those reasons could be not enough hydrochloric acid, where traditional medicine blocks that. And as we age, our body typically doesn't even make enough as it should to break down our food. A lot of people want to get off their proton pump inhibitors, and we had a little protocol to wean that very slowly so they don't have rebound heartburn. Call for a consultation today. The Medicine Shop in Oakmont and Penn Hills. 888-865-9595. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. 
For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-607-3551. That's 800-607-3551. 800-607-3551. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. You know the moment. The workday is over. Your daily responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. Ah, <sighs> That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-soothing serenity made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just the mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. You work hard to recruit the best talent for your business so you understand how important benefits are. Today's candidates are looking for more than just insurance and retirement accounts. They want benefits they can use every day and perks that help them achieve that all-important work-life balance. With Veridesk Standing Desk Solutions, you can create the healthy office culture they're looking for, where employees can move more throughout the day, so they're happier, healthier, and more productive. The new Veridesk ProDesk 60 Electric is the perfect way to create your active workspace. It's a commercial-grade electric standing desk that lets you sit or stand with the touch of a button. And it assembles in under five minutes with no need for professional installers or labor costs. The ProDesk 60 Electric ships for free. And thanks to our 30-day guarantee, if you don't love it, we'll pick it up for free. To learn how you can try the ProDesk 60 Electric in your office, visit veridesk.com radio. That's VARIDesk.com slash radio. The John Steigerwald Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I told you before the break that um, according to the New York Times, few kids, fewer kids are, uh, are playing soccer and more kids are playing baseball and basketball these days, organized that is, and, and I considered that great news. Kids in organized sports... It's always been uh, one of my favorite subjects and one of my pet peeves, actually. I think kids are actually too organized and parents are too involved. And you know what's funny is that all parents, including the ones who were too involved, think parents are too involved. I find that all the time. I have my own idea about how to fix it, but John Solomon of the Aspen Institute has seven charts that show why we need to fix them. And it's part of uh, Aspen's Project Play 2020. John, thanks for being here. Sure, thanks for having me. Yeah, you, you have numbers that show uh, fewer kids between 6 and 12 are playing, I guess, all organized sports. First of all, before we get into the what you want to do to fix that, why is that automatically a bad thing? Well, it's just continuing to decline in participation, and we're seeing, um, you know, not only are kids playing fewer sports, but they're often uh, just not being physically active as well. Um, so it, they can often go hand in hand. If you're not playing sports, it doesn't mean that's the only way to be physically active, but it's certainly a prominent way. Yeah, I, I I wonder though, and I'm sure you guys, this is what you do. You study this stuff. Um, I wonder, is it possible that kids are playing less because it's they're, they're less active because the only time that they're even trying to play sports or have it in their mind that they want to play sports is when it is organized. In other words, there are, there are no pickup games anymore, and so that the kids uh, maybe they don't like the organ the organization so much at that age. And then because the everything is so organized that the kids don't just play on their own. Absolutely. That's certainly a factor. I, I, don't, I, I don't think there's one silver bullet to explain all of it, but that's certainly one factor. And so, you know, at Project Play, we, we have eight strategies about how to get kids more physically active and how, to, how do all kids have access to quality sports. 
And one of our strategies is just that, is reintroduce free play. You know, when I was growing up, I imagine when you were growing up, probably a lot of your listeners, uh, you would just go out in the neighborhood and play pickup games, you know, for hours at a time. You make up your own rules. Um, you get the physical activity that way. You get to learn and appreciate and enjoy certain sports, or maybe you don't like it and you, you switch to a different sport. Um, now there are uh, a lot of parents who some of them are really concerned for safety purposes in their neighborhoods, and some of those are legitimate, you know, depending on, on where you live. Um, but then to your point, I think there are a lot of kids who also are very overscheduled, and that's the early sports specialization where you're, you know, you're playing, uh, practicing maybe three times a week, playing multiple games, traveling, you know, on the travel teams that cost a lot of money and take up a lot of time. And so there's just not a lot of time to let kids uh, find sports on their own of what they really enjoy, minus the competitive aspect, which is certainly a component of sports, but it shouldn't be all-consuming. You know, my kids and and then my grandkids, I I watched them play, and I'll just tell you what I think is the biggest difference that I see, okay, from from when I grew up Mm -hmm. a million years ago, is that... It used to be that, uh, like, I didn't play Little League Baseball until I was, like, 11 years old. No no organized baseball. I played intramural softball in grade school that we were, we were uh, told to elect our own captains. We picked the teams. Uh, we, the kids from the other classes would be the umpires, and their teams weren't playing. We did all that kind of stuff. But we didn't uh, – nobody went and played for a team until they learned how to play the sport. Uh, after you got to be kind of good at baseball from playing pickup games or learning the sport from the you know the bigger kids up the street or your dad teaching you how to uh, catch a ball in the backyard, when you thought you were decently you were you were good enough, and it usually wasn't at six or seven because that was nobody played that young, but you waited until you could play a little bit before you went and got your uniform. I saw my grandkids and the kids they played with; they were handed a uniform, a baseball uniform, and then taught how to play. And that, to me, it's backwards. Am I wrong? No, it's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, what's happened is a lot of kids are playing at younger and younger ages in leagues. Uh, there are certain parts of the country that we've seen that we've studied, and it's probably a lot of parts of the country, but, you know, at the ages of four or five years old, it's not just you're starting to play and you're learning at that age, and it's, and it's very non-competitive. There are some words really competitive. Just from my own experiences, uh, I used to live in Alabama at one point, and um, my then six-year-old son played t-ball, and it was just way too competitive. Uh, it was, you know, double elimination playoff tournament. Our parents shouting at umpires, um, you know, kids sticking to only one spot on the field, you know, so stuck in the outfield a lot of times, not being able to land different positions and touch the ball. It just, it, it, you really need to invest in all kids at, at a young age and at Project Play, one recommendation we have is that um, there should be equal playing time for all kids through at least the age 12. You need to invest in all kids equally. doesn't mean don't be competitive and, and don't, you know, attempt to win. And, and people like to win. That's, that's okay to an extent. But the whole point is we want to try to create athletes for life. And that means that you have to allow kids to be able to make mistakes. And um, they need to be able to build confidence by continuing to play and not just being benched at, at very young ages because that's how they end up quitting is, is one one reason. Now, there's another thing that I remember from as a kid, and I, I hate to keep bringing this up. Well, actually, I don't hate to bring it up. I actually like bringing it up because I think it proves a point. Um, I, can, I, I can remember riding home from my Little League games when I was like 11 years old in a car full of kids being driven by the coach or maybe one other parent and this has been the, actually so long ago as the days before seatbelts, there'd be kids piled into the car, literally piled on top of each other, sitting on laps, and we'd be going headed for the, for the, uh, to get ice cream after playing a game. And what that tells me, thinking back on it, is that our parents weren't at the game. They weren't there. They didn't think that they had to be there. And it wasn't just my parents weren't there, because I was in a car full of kids whose parents also weren't there. Now, one of those reasons might have been that the mothers were at home with the, there were bigger families then, you know. So, uh, you know, the mothers were home with the smaller children. But um, now parents feel an obligation to be not only at the games, but at every practice. And I think, I don't know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, so I'm not, I'm not totally sure that's always accurate. It depends. You know, so I think it depends on the community. I think it depends on each individual household, how involved parents are. There's no doubt there are some who are very involved, and that can be good if it's 
applied in the correct way, right? That you're being supportive, you're, you know, maybe you're helping out volunteering as a coach or on the, uh, you know, the, the sports board, you know, of, of the particular league. There are some, of course, we know of parents who are the, the helicopter parents, you know, who, who probably are, are too uh, aggressive and um, overboard. Um, but then there are also our parents who just aren't involved at all. And, um, and you tend to see it somewhere with a lower uh, income, and that can be uh, lower-income children, and that can be a reason why uh, kids don't play, that there is a significant gap in terms of uh, physical activity, in terms of participating in sports between, you know, kids who are, uh, come from homes with money and kids who don't. It's, it's, it's like a lot of things in society, but, it, but it's pretty glaring, the numbers. Uh, we're talking to John Solomon of the Aspen Institute, and I, I think my mother loved me a lot. She never saw me play a game of anything, ever. She, we, I was one of five kids. She never saw me play anything, ever. And I never felt like you know, I was neglected or anything. Um, but part of, your, uh, part of your plan at the Aspen Institute is, it says, uh, is I think that's part, your early part of your plan that goes through 2020, is it says encouraging sports sampling and train all coaches. Uh, there's a, there is a problem with kids sticking to just one sport, right? Yeah, what well, what happens now is it's the, the the early specialization of, um, and, and parents are oftentimes I think well intentioned and well meaning in this. It's just they don't know how to get off the cycle, and that is that they feel if their kid doesn't focus even at a young age on one sport, you know, Johnny continue to play baseball, play it year round, you know, on the travel team, don't do any other sports, um, that he's going to fall behind if he doesn't do that, um, and. <laughs> There may be a little bit of truth to that um, because it's harder and harder to make high school teams. It's very competitive out there. But what the research also shows is that the early specialization often leads to uh, overuse injuries and it can lead to burnout. So you may be creating a really good baseball player who's playing year-round at the age of 13, but what's he going to be like at 16 or 17? You know, that he may already have the Tommy John surgery, which we see a lot, you know, in baseball at that point. Or uh, he may just be tired. You want to allow kids to sample sports um, so they, because their bodies are going to change. You know, they may mature and then there may be a better sport for them in the future that makes more sense for them. And their interests, you know, may change. Um, that They may get tired of a particular sport. And now they've been exposed to a couple other sports. Okay, let me move on now and try this sport. And uh, when 2020 gets here, what is what will make you happy uh, as far as this project and whether or not you think you've succeeded? Yeah, so so Project Play as a whole is uh, it's an ongoing project that that actually doesn't have an expiration date. But Project Play 2020 is an initiative in which we have a lot of um, really for the first time industry industry groups and nonprofits coming together and developing shared goals around making sport accessible to all children. So. Really, the, the metrics are looking at the, 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 a lot of the participation data that we have. Um, it comes from the uh, Sports Fitness and Industry Association. And so it's just trying to uh, trend up and get some improvements. And, and there are some improvements that, that we're already starting to see, um, but there's really not one silver bullet. It takes a lot of organizations coming together um, to strategically think through this and to adopt policies that are in the best interests of, of all children. Hey, John, thanks for being with us. I really appreciate it. Good stuff. Sure. sure. Thanks for having me. Okay. That's John Solomon of the uh, Aspen Institute. And uh, I, I still, I, I know they mean well, and, and I'm sure that they'll, they'll do some good stuff and fix some things. But I just would like to see kids be less organized. I, I will, uh, in, a, in our last segment, I'll tell you a couple of stories about how things used to be. And how I think they still could be, but never will be uh, when it comes to kids in sports. But when we come back, we're going to talk about poop. Uh, There's a lot of poop in San Francisco, and I'm not talking about dog poop. Human poop everywhere. And we'll talk to somebody who thinks that's probably not a good thing for San Francisco. When we come back, right here.
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Russian meddling in the 2016 U.S. election was a major topic at President Trump's one-day summit with Russia's President Vladimir Putin. Standing next to President Trump at a joint news conference, Russian President Putin denied any interference in American politics. The Russian state has never interfered and is not going to interfere into internal American affairs. Mr. Trump said Putin offered a strong and powerful denial and he blasted the special counsel's ongoing Russia meddling investigation. The probe is a disaster for our country. I think it's kept us apart. The president said there was no collusion with Russia and that he ran a clean campaign against Hillary Clinton. Greg Clugston, Washington. A mixed day on Wall Street as the Dow was up by 45 points, but the Nasdaq dropped 20. The S&P lower by three. Oil plunged almost $3 today. This is SRN News. How much do you spend on your pest control each year? 200 300 or even $500 or more? What if I said you could spend less than $25 a year, even less with promo code RADIO20? Then listen up. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, and yes, it is possible to read your home or business of unwanted pests for less than $25 per year. The answer is Plug-In Pest Free. Our bestseller, the Plug-In Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair dinkum. For just a one-time cost of only $249, even less with promo code RADIO20, you'll be pest-free for years to come. Log on to gopestfree.com today. Use promo code RADIO20 and start driving those pests away. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. Gopestfree.com. That's gopestfree.com. Promo code RADIO20. Larry Elder. The Larry Elder Show. That wouldn't be... Chuck Schumer in 2014, would it be? People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. I have a question. I've asked this before. It is a rhetorical question. Do you honestly believe if 80% of illegals turned citizens, turned voters, would likely vote Republican, we'd have this problem? The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 6, right before Jay Sekulow at 8, on AM 1250. The Answer. How much do you spend on your pest control each year? $200, $300, or even $500 or more? What if I said you could spend less than $25 a year, even less with promo code RADIO20? Then listen up. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, and yes, it is possible to read your home or business of unwanted pests for less than $25 per year. The answer is Plug-In Pest Free. Our bestseller, the Plug-In Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair dinkum. For just a one-time cost of only $249, even less with promo code RADIO20, you'll be pest-free for years to come. Log on to gopestfree.com today. Use promo code RADIO20 and start driving those pests away. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. Gopestfree.com. That's gopestfree.com. Promo code RADIO20. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. Estate administration isn't something we do on the side. It's the heart and soul of our practice. Any attorney can write a will, but we have the experience to administer your estate plan properly to achieve the goals we all share, to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones you love. How you get there is specific to your situation. So let's talk. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. From college choice to scholarships to internships, there's a lot riding on those SAT and ACT scores. I'm Christopher Rico, and at Tricycle Learning Company, I'll show you ways to increase those scores and maximize your college opportunities. I'll teach you how to approach the test by breaking it into its basic elements, showing you how to convert stress into motion, along with tips and tricks to get you through and improve your score. Move forward with Tricycle Learning. For individual or group sessions, visit tricyclelearning.com today. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the outbound Parkway East, it's Heavy Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. And some delays on the inbound side, Edgewood Swissvale to the tunnel and 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West, inbound looks good. Outbound, that is a little bit slow. Parkway Center Drive to Green Tree. We're also seeing a protest happening on Grant Street between Boulevard of the Allies and Forbes Avenue. You want to be careful through there. Also a disabled vehicle on the eastbound PA Turnpike between Butler Valley and Allegheny Valley. I'm Jenny Robinson on AM1250, The Answer. AM 1250, the answer, weather. 
Warm and muggy tonight, a shower and thunderstorm around, a low of 70 degrees. Then behind a cold front tomorrow, a morning shower or thunderstorm will give way to sunshine in the afternoon, a high of 83. Clear and cooler tomorrow night with a low of 58. That'll set up a comfortable Wednesday with plenty of sunshine, a high of 78 degrees as high pressure remains in control. I'm meteorologist Steve Travis on AM 1250, The Answer. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. San Francisco is full of crap. Literally, it's not a good sign when a major topic of discussion about your city is poop. Uh, Poop everywhere, and we're not talking about dog poop. Uh, The new mayor, London Breed, said in her first one-on-one interview the other day that she has never seen so much human feces. San Francisco and Northern California politicians have been full of crap for a long time, and you can blame them for what's happened to what used to be a pretty nice city. And Arielle Davidson moved to San Francisco two years ago to take a job with the Hudson Institute. She got an eye full and I guess a nose full, too. Arielle, thanks for being here. How are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Good, I good. actually so I moved out here for the Hoover Institution. Um, but very oh, I'm close sorry. To Hudson, I'm sorry. So did I, what did I don't say? Don't worry about it. Hudson Institute. <laughs> you said Hudson, but don't worry about it. Yeah. Close enough. Um, so, yeah, I moved out here about two years ago. I used to work in finance. Uh, and I moved out here to do economic research at Hoover. And, you know, I was pretty shocked. I had lived in Manhattan for about a year after graduating college, and then I decided to live in the city of San Francisco. Uh, and the conditions are pretty abysmal. Um, and it's not just siloed to one part of the city. It's pretty universal. You know, obviously there are neighborhoods that are worse off than others. Um, but, you know, I think they recently did, I think NBC recently did a study on the most um, traveled areas of the city for tourists. They went around about 153 blocks, and they found just in one outing 300 piles of feces, over 100 different needles, um, large heaps of garbage lining the streets, just, you know, just awful conditions. And it's scaring off tourists. It's scaring off conferences that otherwise would happen in San Francisco, but they're choosing not to operate here because, you know, it's borderline third-world conditions. Uh, Call me crazy, but if I lived in a neighborhood where people were pooping on the street, I'd be thinking about moving. Just me. Well, I am. I'm moving. I'm going to law school, so I'm moving. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I, 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 I can't believe that people put up with this for 20 seconds without demanding that they'd be dragging the mayor out of her office and, and you know, I don't know, the short, anything short of sticking her nose in it the way he used to do with a dog when he did it. Just what, how can that possibly be happening? Well, I think there's a cognitive dissonance that takes place. I think people see this happening, but they're like, well, at least it's not happening outside my front door. And then once it does happen outside your front door, then obviously you're angered. Uh, I think that it's part of the grand, you know, liberal social experiment and it's failing. And I think that there's a large number of people who aren't ready to admit that it's failed. But I do think that there's a sizable portion and it's growing within San Francisco of people who have just said, you know what, I've had enough. You know, why am I paying over $3,000? per month to live in this city, and I'm living amongst trash. And and it's not just the quantity of trash, uh, it's the quality, right? Oh, I mean, it's, it, can, it's very, it can be hazardous. I mean, there was a recent report released that talked about how when feces drives, it can become, be full of airborne, airborne toxins. And, you know, you have preschools, you have nurseries, you have um, elderly centers being set up in parts of the city, and in some of the most you know, destitute, ravaged parts of the city, and it's not, it's, it will be a public health crisis if it isn't already becoming one. And again, I, um, at some point, you would think that there would be people outside the, the, the politician's office with torches and pitchforks. What, what is it that the politicians out there did to create this homeless? nightmare that they have out there with well i think i saw 7500 homeless people within a small area yeah so if you do the math it's about 160 homeless people per square mile uh and this city is spending about 300 million per year up from around 250 so there and that's not just on people who are actively homeless but also on supportive housing to keep those who are aren't currently homeless but have risk of becoming homeless again um, so there is quite a bit of money spent on this problem. I think it's a matter of, you know, inefficient spending. I think you have a lot of organizations that 
uh, are trying to do good, but not everyone, you know, there's a, a sense in which the money isn't just being spent improperly or it's not, there's not a coordinated effort taking place. Um, you know, I also think we just don't have enough temporary uh, housing beds. I think San Francisco, San Francisco in particular focuses a lot on trying to find permanent housing when the reality right now is that we need to, at least for the temporary time being, fix the situation and get people not sleeping on the streets. And, um, and yeah, it's just, I think it comes down to just inefficient planning and inefficient spending. Uh, and, you know, we have seen bloated pensions in the state of California, so they keep raising taxes and keep lining, you know, government officials keep lining their own pockets with money. Um, I think we see that time and time again. And I, I saw that the, that the, um, I saw that the, that the, uh, mayor was, um, she was interviewed and she, she talked about how terrible it was. She's never seen so much human feces. And I, but, but then they said to her, well, have you thought about, you know, what kind of penalties to put on these people? And she right away backed off and said, oh, we didn't talk about penalties. Yeah, I don't think there's enough deterrence when it comes to, um, you know, penalizing people for setting up tents in the middle of the street, shooting up needles in the middle of the street, um, you know, defecating on the street. It's not an uncommon occurrence. I've seen all of those three things happen in my time during San Francisco multiple times apiece. Um, and there really is no fear that anyone will come after you if you are to set up a tent in the middle of the street. But if you park your car incorrectly, you will get a $75 parking <laughs> ticket street cleaning. Is, is, so that to me is the grand right. sort of irony in all of this, you know, is that if they can get you, they will. And if, you, if they can get you for some kind of monetary fee, they will. But if they sort of have given up on going after those who, you know, are committing crimes well in the open in the middle of the street. Well, what, what happened to vagrancy laws? Well, didn't, didn't there used to be, I mean, you could get taken away somewhere just for hanging around too much in front of a building with no purpose. Right. What happened to I that? I think the, I mean, I, I can't speak to, you know, why vagrancy laws are enforced, but I can offer, you know, perhaps I think what they're dealing with a lot is, is a large fraction of those who are homeless are mentally ill. Um, and there are some you know, severe prevalence of addiction issues. And, you know, it, it seems to me at least that there has to be some balance between allowing people to get the mental help they need and then also being able to go after those who are, in fact, criminals. Um, so it's just it's a balancing act. And I, I think that the SFPD, um, I would say, in my mind, from just from an anecdotal perspective, seems pretty understaffed. And you know, they're dealing with a population that, um, you know, by and large, probably a large fraction have trouble holding down a job, even if you were to kind of get them into a works program. So the solution isn't easy. And I do have sympathy uh, for those trying to address the problem. But I think it starts with at least increasing the efficiency of how we spend the money and being more creative in our solutions, because clearly whatever we're doing right now is only worsening the problem and not helping it. Well, you see that, but do the politicians see that? They seem to think it's a typical case of the well-intentioned liberal policies that do everything except make the, 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 the situation better. In fact, it makes it worse. Right. And I think, you know, this is one of the situations of live and let live gone horribly wrong, right? You know, I'm not going to bother myself with what this person is doing. But after a certain point, there are so many negative externalities from, you know, someone, again, defecating in the street or you know, injecting drugs in the middle of the street and then leaving their needles for someone to potentially step on. Um, so there's all sorts of situations in which, you know, live and let live can go wrong. And I think we see that in San Francisco. I don't know if the politicians are going to wake up. I think it's going to have to come from the electorate and it's going to have to come from enough people, you know, putting their hands up in the air and saying enough is enough. You know, I don't want to walk my dog and worry that my dog is going to step on a hypodermic needle. I don't, you know, I don't want to walk with my children and worry that they're going to be exposed to some airborne virus from the feces that are lining the streets. Uh, that needs to come from the electorate, and I don't, I don't know when or if we're going to see that kind of change. Well, our liberals, whether it be the electorate or the elected, do they find themselves conflicted because they they're they're upset about it, they don't like it, and they hate it, and they know it's wrong. It's like the mayor, when she was asked if there'll be penalties, she was reluctant to say there would be. But they, they know it's wrong, but they're, they, they also want to show how concerned they are for the plight of the homeless, and they would never do anything to make their lives 
even more miserable than they already are. Right. And again, that's what makes it so hard is sort of a balancing act between how do you address this population um, for who large segments of it probably will need help long term. You know, it's not like once you put someone in housing, they're going to be self-sufficient. I think we're talking about, you know, there's a large chunk of this population that will not be self-sufficient even after you um, place them in housing. And so I think that has become one of the bigger issues of um, how to address this problem both the short-term and the long-term. But I'll say that in their efforts to try to address the, the long-term, i.e. set up permanent housing options, they really neglected the short-term, which is really just cleaning up the streets. Uh, and it, like I said earlier, it's a balancing act. And I, I don't think there's an easy solution. Um, but for the amount of money that we spend, there has to be, there should be more results than we're seeing now. And they keep electing the same people. So the electorate obviously isn't going to do anything about it. Well, uh, you know, it's it's time will tell. I mean, a lot of people are leaving San Francisco. Um, you know, I can speak from personal experience that this is really a transplant city. People come and stay here. They work for a while. But very few people I know are interested in raising a family in the city for a lot of the reasons that we've discussed. Not only the skyrocketing home prices, but just the general level of degradation um, and just the uncleanliness and really non-sanitary conditions of the city. Um, I would not raise my children here knowing what I know, uh, and I think that that is something, a sentiment that's been reverberated um, amongst younger people as well who are at that age where they're sort of thinking about, you know, where can I buy a home and, you know, where can I raise a family? Home prices are um, extremely high here as well, so it, it would be very hard anyway to just purchase a home. But beyond that hurdle... Um, you know, just in terms of livability and the conditions of San Francisco proper, it's it's tough. I mean, it would be it would be really tough to raise a kid there. I think I have a feeling that, uh, and we're talking to Ariel Davidson of the Hoover Institution out in San Francisco, uh, which is where she is now. Um, I have a feeling that there's not poop in front of, um, of Nancy Pelosi's house. It's just me. I think she probably lives in a pretty nice place, and she's probably avoided it to this point, but. Uh, uh, they, they just keep apologizing for this. And I know we've talked about Ariel, and I, I mean, I know people are getting close to where they're going to be eating their dinner, and this is not the most appetizing subject. But to me, it's it's just stunning that we're talking about this as though it's like, I mean, nobody's saying it's normal, but it's 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 quasi acceptable. People are ex- oh, no, accepting people yeah. pooping in the street. What? How about a, some porta johns out there? Or something. No, I, well, the problem is, you know, so if you set up, a lot of people said, well, just set up more toilets. But the problem is that the toilets, if you set up porta bodies or you open public toilets, they become informal injection sites. No, boy. Um, you actually end up creating a site where people go in and administer drugs to themselves, and then it becomes sort of a hotbed of um, illicit activity and also just really can be dangerous, non sanitary activity, obviously. And people um, probably live and, in them. They would I mean, live in people, the Porta John. It's. You know. Yeah, right. I mean, there's lots of activities that go on the Portage on um, that right. are would be illicit and illegal, and so they can be um, almost a danger if there's if they're not monitored properly. Um, you know, the public library I heard recently has become the site of that, and they actually have to monitor activity in now the bathrooms at the library. So, you know, they're dealing with a crisis now that I'm not. I think it's gotten, you know, it's gotten out of hand. And you're right when you say. How can anyone look at this and say this is normal? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills sometimes uh, when I look at sort of the lack of reaction from people in the city. And when are you moving? How long can you stay? I am... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, how long are you going to stay Stay there? Uh, well, I'm from Boston originally, so I'm from the East Coast um, and grew up in New Hampshire and Boston, actually. So I'm, I'm leaving in about a month to go to law school at Georgetown. So I will be living in D.C. Good move. Uh, time to go. Hey, Ariel, <laughs> I, I, thanks a lot for being here. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. This is a pleasure. Okay. Thanks Ar- so much. Yep. Ariel Davidson of the Hoover Institution. When we come back, we have a few minutes. I'm going to talk again a little bit about uh, pickup sports. 
Don't pay double for your next home improvement project. Many companies are simply asking too much for windows, siding, and doors. You need at least three estimates. Just make sure Windows R Us is one of them. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofing, siding, doors, gutters, even shutters and downspouts. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward menu-style pricing, and the absolute fastest turnaround in the business. Windows R Us offers multiple financing options and will match any competitor's price. No hidden costs or final invoice surprises ever. And their no-loophole full-lifetime warranty covers everything, including labor and glass breakage at no additional charge. Mention AM1250 and get an exclusive 10% discount for listeners of this station only. Why pay double? Before you buy, visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. They're more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. This is Mike Howard, General Sales Manager at Salem Media Pittsburgh. You've heard me recruit for salespeople for quite a while now, always looking for professionals who just have to be in the sales arena because they love the hunt for new business, have those antennas up, and just simply know how to get appointments. Well, I'm here to tell you that is still exactly what I am looking for, but not just to be in radio. Salem Media Pittsburgh truly is much more, so much so that all of our team's titles have changed to Integrated Marketing Strategist. What that means is we now incorporate everything regarding digital marketing into our daily services, from web design to social media and reputation management, plus all things digital marketing, including retargeting, Facebook, SEO and SEM, and much more. So if the sales skills I mentioned before apply to you, plus you have a knack or even experience in digital marketing sales, you definitely need to contact us. Would you do that, please? Log on to SalemMedia.com and click the Careers link and search Pittsburgh to apply. God made our bodies complex. It's like peeling back the layers of an onion. If you're not well yet, then you just keep thinking, what else can that be? At the medicine shop in Oakmont and Penn Hills, nurse practitioner Joyce Gibb continues to peel back the layers to better health with solutions like high-quality nutraceuticals. Just as an example, you can't make vitamin C, and that's a great detoxification agent. It helps boost your immune system. Vitamin D, it hits over 900 parts of your DNA. And many people in Pittsburgh, since we don't live in Florida, doesn't have the sun exposure. And I've only seen one person that had a normal vitamin D level. Range on the lab is 30 to 100. Our goals would be 50 to 70 or 80. Almost everybody needs vitamin D supplementation. Give your body what it needs on the road to better health with high-quality nutraceuticals from The Medicine Shop. Call for a consultation today, 888-865-9595. The Medicine Shop, 888-865-9595. Obamacare, Trumpcare, ACA, COBRA, there are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind, expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today, fortunately. I know someone who has been on the forefront of health insurance for years, Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you, and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs, and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Worried about the penalty? All of Marley Financial plans are penalty exempt because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60 percent, which can add up several thousand a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Got a few minutes left here. Uh, we talked in the first segment about pickup, well, not pickup games, but organized sports for kids. I just want to try to see if you can imagine this. Um, I was nine years old and in fourth grade back then. We used to go to school a year earlier than they do now. So I was nine, and now you're nine in the third grade. Uh, but I was nine in the fourth grade. Anyway, uh, they had intramural softball at St. Bernard School up in Mount Lebanon, still there. And the nuns told us that we had to elect a captain, and that captain had to pick the team from each class. There were five classes in each grade. And um, I, was, I was elected captain of our team. So it was my job to make the lineups uh, for the intramural softball program. We would play at lunchtime. I had to make the lineups, and it was 4-1, 4-2, 4-3, 4-4, 4-5 were the classes. And so on a, there was a schedule printed in the church bulletin, and we knew that 4-1 was playing 4-2 that day, 
and we showed up and we played and we played softball on an asphalt field parking lot and no gloves with we plays a, a, a mush ball and the umpires were chosen by the male teachers from the teams that weren't playing and we played games for the entire whatever how long the season lasted the standings were published in the bulletin every sunday and our team stunk so i got to look and see us you know two and twelve but that's what you did and there was not one adult involved in the game. The entire time we played the game, not one adult to be seen. The only time an adult would show up was if there was a, an argument. And we would go get the male coach. They were called coaches then, even though they were teachers. He would come over and settle the argument. But the umpires settled the, you know, called the game. Um, it's, it's as much fun as I had in my whole life as playing sports, was playing those intramural games. And my mother never came to a game. If they did that now... If they tried to do it now, first of all, there'd be howls of protest because they were letting the kids be too involved. But parents would feel obligated to show, you know, leave work so that they could be at the school at lunchtime to watch their kid play in a softball game. So that, that's never going to happen again. But that, to me, was so much more valuable to me than anything I did in Little League Baseball. Now, one other thing, 47 years ago to this minute, at, uh, on whatever, what's the date today, July 12th? Uh, July uh, 16th. The Pirates, um, I guess today was the day that they opened Three Rivers Stadium. I was there for the game with my buddy Goose. I, our picture showed up on the um, on the front page of one of the papers. I forget which one it was the next day. Uh, somehow we got our picture was taken um, as we were coming into the stadium. And I was there that night. They opened the stadium, and I thought it was just spectacular. Pirates uh, introduced their new uniforms, which were something never be seen, uh, seen before. And I just thought the, it was just a great, great stadium. I thought that for about three years until I, maybe before, until I went away and did minor league baseball play-by-play, and I saw minor league ballparks, which was real baseball stadiums and, again. And I considered that Three River Stadium was a dump from that point on and wanted a new ballpark that looks just like PNC Park. Hey, thanks for being here. John Stoggerwald Show every Monday through Friday, 5 to 6. See you tomorrow. The John Stoggerwald Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.